guys, and welcome back to Rebel Hearts. This is episode 60, and it's also the first new episode of 2020. Woohoo! I did not think that I was going to make an episode this soon into the new year, but the music industry had other plans for me, so here we are. So if you've... Uh, if you follow me on Twitter or if you've obviously put the pieces together of the title, um, you know what this episode is going to be about. But I do want to say quickly before we even remotely jump into that is that um, I put out a tweet, I think a couple of days ago, basically saying that a lot of shit has happened in the music industry. A lot of shit has happened with women in the, in the industry, a lot of sexism, a lot of good things, a lot of music, and it's just really hard to keep up and... I haven't really wanted to sit down and make an episode, mostly because I really wanted to take some time and reassess uh, what this podcast is all about. And to be honest, it's ever-changing. I've talked about movies. I've had guests on that um, probably wouldn't have been expected when I first started this in 2017. I interviewed Aaron Weiss and Me Without You, someone that's really awesome and somebody that I respect wholeheartedly. Hold wholeheartedly as a person and somebody that I probably wouldn't have had on my podcast in 2017 because I was really all about only having women and queer and non-binary artists on this this podcast just from start to finish but um I really took myself and said hey I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want because it's my podcast and I do whatever the fuck I want and um, I've talked about, like I said, I've talked about movies before, which is something that I didn't think I was going to talk about because I primarily wanted this to be a space for music and for people to feel safe and talk about all of these issues and sexism and all of the problems in the industry. But then I got tired of talking about all the bad shit that happens in the world and I really wanted to have some fun. And a lot of people really like those episodes too. Um, I've talked about the Grammys. I've talked about a lot of things that weren't just about women in the industry and it's been really cool. I also didn't really want to make an episode lately because I, I've i been talking about the same four or five artists since I started this podcast and after a while I just felt like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. Well, not that I'm supposed to be doing anything, but for me I really want to highlight people that aren't really in the public eye. I want to talk about um, people that are underground so to speak or people that really aren't getting the recognition that they probably deserve and it's just been difficult to find things that I want to talk about and um, not miss over the big things. Like my last episode is about Taylor Swift and her battle for her masters. Taylor Swift is a huge artist and she is one of the big names out there. And I feel like I've been talking about her a lot, but a lot of the things that are happening to her are things that are really necessary to have a discussion about. Same thing with Halsey. She's putting out a new record tomorrow, which is really exciting. And I have something super special planned and I can't wait um, more on that at some point. But I'm really excited for that. Her new songs, her all her singles have been really awesome. It's pretty much like a mixtape of just all of the things that make her her. And I can't wait to hear her record start to finish. And I've talked a lot about just the same artist over and over again and it just felt like I didn't really want to rehash the same things over and over again anymore and I wanted a break but that doesn't mean that things aren't happening that we should still talk about so if you follow me on Twitter I've been trying my best to retweet whatever I find um, really getting back to the heart of why I even started that Twitter account in the first place and now it's just turned into my main account but 
I really do want to make 2020 the year where Rebel Hearts really shines as far as authenticity and things that matter. <laughs> Not to say that I haven't talked about things that matter in the past, but I really want this to be whatever whatever it can be. And I don't want to feel pressure to put something out just because things are happening. I mean, if, if it's something that I want to talk about and something that we should talk about, of course, I'll make an episode. But I really just want to make this year um, no pressure. And that's not to say that there won't be a future for this, but it's just uh, a future that I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm pretty excited to see what will happen. So enough about me and, you know, my bullshit. <laughs> um, this episode is basically going to be about Haley Williams of Paramore's new project called Pedals for Armor. And it's funny because um, this happened, it was on Twitter, I believe, in October. Uh, one of my friends, uh, her name is Sydney, she tweeted about um, this account that a bunch of people relating to Paramore and their, their family and friends and people affiliated with them were following this random account called Petals for Armor. And it just had a bunch of random flowers on it. And uh, no one knew what the fuck it was. And it just exploded on Twitter. And a, every Paramore fan came out of the woodwork, th you know, wherever they've been hiding since Paramore has been dormant, they have crawled out of and myself included, you know, I'm one of those people I, you know, I haven't really done much with Paramore since they played their, you know, the, the last show that they played, which was in September of 2018, I believe it was 2018. And um, yeah, so I haven't really done much with them. I haven't really talked much about them or anything. And then all of a sudden, Sydney makes this tweet and everyone put on their Sherlock hats and tried to discover things and found out that there was a Facebook account that was made, I think in like 2017, 2018. I don't fucking remember. But anyway, so it got everybody talking and I will be honest, I was one of those people that thought that this had nothing to do with any member of Paramore. This was just um, something random it was going to be um, Taylor. It was going to be somebody that wasn't Haley, basically. I kept telling all my friends, I was like, everyone's going crazy over this project. Haley's going to have no part in it. Um, we all need to relax, take a chill pill. I know we miss them, but you guys got to calm the fuck down. So needless to say, um, a fan had seen Haley in Target and <laughs> Haley had told her that music is coming and that we will get a new album. And for the most part, myself included, nobody really thought that that was true because it's like Haley has said that she would never do a solo project. Haley said that they're not doing anything right now. They're enjoying their break and all of these things. So everybody was very confused, to say the least. And um, I was fucking confused and still convinced that she had no part in this. And I was just living my life. And then all of a sudden, um, on her birthday, I believe it was, which was in late December, she had posted that we will get music from her in the beginning of the year, which is now in January, and that we would get a taste of it. And she did something really special with people close to her. And it's basically her own thing that she's calling her own. And everybody obviously confirmed what it was. And it turned out that Petals for Armor was Haley's project. And let me tell you how stupid I fucking felt when that happened I was like damn everybody was right now I was sitting here being like guys calm down so um that's the backstory if you're listening you've gotten this far you've probably already been aware of that because you were in it or um you don't care or you know what have you 
But that's the backstory of how um, everybody on Twitter, at least, <laughs> found out about Petals for Armor before the general public put it together or heard it from Haley herself. But um, I will say in this episode, before I go any further, that um, I will be talking about the movie Midsummer, and I will leave a timestamp on SoundCloud, if you're listening on SoundCloud, or in the description, I'll write the timestamps of when I start talking about it to when I stop talking about it, because I will be um, talking about some spoilers. And the reason why I'm doing the spoilers is because they're very relevant to um, Haley's references in my eyes. And um, I don't want you guys to have the movie ruined for you by me. If somebody else ruins the movie for you, I can't help you there. But I don't want to be the reason why a movie is spoiled for you, especially a movie that good and that deserved a fucking Oscar. But that's irrelevant. But anyway, and uh, I will say that this episode is being recorded on Thursday, January 16th, which is exactly six days from the release of the video slash song that Pedals for Armor is putting out on Wednesday, the 22nd. I will be updating this episode as Haley posts more things that I feel like I want to talk about. So this episode is going to be recorded in, you know, different sections or maybe just this section and whatever happens on Tuesday. But I just want you guys to be aware that I will try to make this episode as um, cohesive as possible. Because I really did enjoy when I sat down and talked about No Friend in, I think, 2017. I think I did it. Um, and I dissected line by line what I thought that song meant and what I thought that Aaron was saying in that song and everything about it. And I really enjoyed doing it. And I don't think I've done that since that episode. And I think that's the only one that I've ever done. So to me, Haley's kind of given us um, a lot of things that I feel like I want to talk about. And I think that that's really rad. And I'm trying to catch my breath right now because I uh, I drank a lot of iced coffee before I started recording this. So sorry in advance um, about the ASMR. But um, yeah, I wrote down a lot of the things that I want to say. This episode might get a little heavy for a hot second. Uh, sorry in advance. But um, we're going to kind of roll with it and we'll see where it takes us. So I do want to talk about... Um, all of her references and I really don't think any of these have to do with the music itself but all the clues in the order that she's posting it just makes a lot of sense to me personally for instance during after laughter cycle Haley chose her interviews carefully when she did them alone I mean Paramore didn't really do a lot of interviews as a as a band but she did a couple of interviews by herself even the ones that um the band did were very closely um chosen or it looks like it did and um Haley chose her interviews based on people that she felt that she could trust and it's like almost every interview that she did um we found out more and more about her life found more and more about her mental health and her divorce and her feelings and just she opened up more and more every interview that she did and I mean granted she did like what a handful like I could probably name on both hands every interview that she did in that album cycle because there weren't a lot and they were all really really genuine and authentic and it was just really crazy and great to see and I mean she really pulled back the curtain and let us see behind the photos and her tweets and 
basically everything that just looked like life was great. So I definitely know that she, well, not that I know personally, but it definitely just feels like she chose people that she felt that she could trust and be in a space where she felt that she wasn't pressured to talk about certain things. And if she wanted to spew, she could spew. If she wanted to vent about something, she could vent. And it wasn't somebody trying to dig for a story. It was somebody that wanted to listen to her. And I definitely think that a lot of the interviews that she did, if not all of them, really, really showed that side of her and showed that side of After Laughter and where it came from. And I definitely think that that whole album cycle to now, even present day, just really shows that she is a completely different person than um, the media made us think. I mean, not really the media because, you know, Paramore is not this paparazzi, you know, Kardashian type band, but you know, we've heard, we've heard things and people make up a lot of shit and it's just, they've always seemed like, you know, outside of the bullshit and the, you know, all of the drama that they're pretty happy and pretty, you know, close band and everything. And after laughter kind of pulled back that curtain and said, no, here are some skeletons. Um, and they just fucking flew out on the floor and it was just, um, it was really awesome to see, you know, I've, I've, done so many pieces of writing and I've done so many episodes where I've said this but I'll say it again where it was the first time that I actually felt connected to this band that I've loved for you know almost my whole teenage to adult life and um that was really shitty for me to feel but also really cool to feel that um you know after all of this time I finally felt connected and it was because of a lot of pain <laughs> which is a uh, normal in human existence it's unfortunate but it's normal and you know most beautiful things do come from pain so um i kind of went on a tear there but uh <laughs> we start our journey with pedals for armor um with this interview that Haley did in march i'll link the interview in the show notes i think everybody's pretty much read it at this point i've definitely i tweeted about it and a lot of people were uh everybody was in pain after I tweeted it. And I wasn't the first person to tweet it. Um, I saw somebody else had said it before me after I'd made my tweet and I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> but, um, I'm not going to say the name because I can't pronounce it, but, um, she did this interview. I think it was in March. I remember reading it when I got home from uh, Tennessee and that was, um, March 18th. I believe it was, I remember the date. That was a crazy, uh, weekend. I saw Half Noise, I saw Me Without You play a show with Tiger's Jaw, I got to hang out with a lot of my friends, and that was just a really cool weekend, so obviously I remember it, and um, I went to work the next day, I believe it was, and I sat down, and uh, my group chat had posted this article, and I mean this interview, and I started reading it, and just the more I read it, the more I felt with it. And it was just one of the only interviews, I think, where it just grabbed me and it just really hit me. And um, I didn't think much about the what Haley said uh, that I'm about to read much until recently. But that interview was just it really hit me in the heart really bad. And um, it was something that I'm glad that um, exists and I read it often and it's just, it's, it's one of those things that just really makes you, um, really makes you feel, I don't know how else to describe it, 
But um, anyway, I'll get more into that in a second. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because Haley said something in the interview that um, connected Pedals for Armor for me and clicked in my brain. And she said, I went to see what some people would think of as a cuckoo therapist, like a cranial sacral masseuse, but I fucking love her. She always just hits the nail on the head. During a session, she was doing body work on me, and they say that our memories are stored in the nerves and tissues, not so much the head. It's fascinating. So a lot of times when we do body work, we access emotions and memories we've tucked away or our body has done for us. I was on the table and I had a lot of thoughts about my wedding. I remembered some stuff that I just hadn't remembered before, just how uncomfortable I felt in that dress and things that I so quickly turned off because I wanted it to work out so badly. And then later in the session, I had this vision of all these flowers growing out of me. My cynical side immediately took it as, well, the only way that happens is if you're dead. You're in the ground and somebody put some pretty flowers there. But then this new side that I'd never had access to swiftly fled in, flew in and battered that away and said, no, that's you. This is now. This is what's happening right now. And this is what you've been digging around in the dirt for during the last year. This beauty and femininity and new strength is going to come out of you. And I chose to hold on to it. I swear to God, I'm there with my eyes closed and we're at the end of the session. I haven't spoken a word of any of this to her. And she goes, all right, we're done with the session. You know, just really calm whispering. She said, thank you so much for seeing me today. You're surrounded by flowers. I was like, what the fuck? I said, I still didn't say anything. And she left the room. I took the cover over my, off my eyes and she had put rose petals all over me, like all around they smelled amazing. I don't even know if that was some subconscious thing I took in and I don't really care because that vision has been so vivid to me over the last year or so. I've picked up a lot of flowers from my house since then. I just keep them around me all the time to remind me that I'm moving into femininity and strength and then femininity and lo- and aloneness. You know, that power of being self-sufficient, being soft too, and open. And man... <laughs> That interview just really makes me super fucking emotional uh, every damn time. And I remember after I read certain parts of it, um, one of my coworkers that always yelled at me for being on my phone, he just looked at me and he goes, what are you reading? And I'm like, tears in my eyes. I was like, you're not going to understand, but uh, Haley Williams just did an interview and it makes me really, uh, really sad because I'm going through a lot of this stuff too and uh, I just need a minute. And uh, he didn't really say much. I think he just said, oh, my God, and then walked out of the room. But um, after that, I continued reading. And at this point, I had started writing more for my book at the time. I had put it on pause for a while and didn't really think of it. Um, Didn't know if I was going to finish it. Um, I've talked about this before. Didn't know if I was going to finish it. I really didn't get inspired to write anything until I was on that plane ride home from Tennessee. And I wrote, um, I think, like three or four poems but after um, I had read a couple of things in Haley's interview, um, I immediately wrote like five or six poems just um, based out of anger and sadness and just feeling in general. I just had a lot of emotions. And um, I will say that a lot of her interviews during the after laughter cycle inspired a lot of writing for me, inspired a lot of um, just creativity inside of me, whether I posted it online or not or I just talked about it or, you know, a lot of it's been on my podcast and it's just really crazy to think that, um, somebody saying something that you relate to can open up that part of your brain that just really makes you want to create and makes you want to, um, 
feel something other than pain. And um, it was just, it was really awesome. I felt a lot of um, rebirth when I read this interview. And I know it sounds crazy because to some people they're like, yeah, it's just an interview. But to me, she said a lot of things that um, really um, made me feel close to somebody that I don't really know that well. And even in this interview, I think it was the first time that she really talked about her divorce. And she said something that this is, this is the, the thing that really killed me. And she said she felt like a failure. And when I was broken up with after my long-term relationship, I kept saying I failed. I said it that day. I said it in my head a lot. And I said it to people that were close to me. And I said, I failed at keeping it together. I failed in everybody who said in high school I was unlovable and everything that was just mean and um, negative towards me. They would now be able to say, I told you so, or I knew it wouldn't last, or, you know, it was all bullshit, or, you know, I t- it was just, it was a lot of feelings in my head. And whether that was true or not, you know, you never really know. But to me, the thing that I said to a lot of people was I felt like I failed. And I know now, obviously, um, a majority of it wasn't my fault. And the reason why it fell apart wasn't um, all of my fault. But it at the time, it was hard to process. And around the time that this interview came out, it was still hard to process that I wasn't the one that failed. And it wasn't a specific person that failed. It was just the relationship did. And it wasn't one specific person's fault. And it's just, that's where I kind of lost it. And um, I believe around this time is probably when all of this kind of came to fruition for this solo project. But anyway, I believe that was the last interview that Haley had done, if I'm not mistaken. And other than the collab with Crap Eyewear and a couple of new merch pieces coming out, Paramore has pretty much stayed pretty dormant since the Art and Friends show in September of 2018. And... um, it's been really cool to see them relax and I know Zach put out Natural Disguise with his band Half Noise in May and I don't think that he really toured for it if I'm not mistaken. Um, they just did their release show in LA and if anything I think they played like a show or two in LA but nothing super crazy, nothing tour or um, multiple shows kind of deal. And for the most part no one else has really done much in the public eye you know, I'm sure that they're doing stuff behind the scenes, but no one's really been doing much that we've heard about, which is really cool to see um, people that have been doing nonstop, go, 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 putting out a record, doing press, going on tour and all of this stuff since they were kids, finally get a second to do stuff on their own and relax. Um, over the summer, I did go to a show and um, it was right around the time when I moved here. And I saw Haley at the show and um, I went to go get um, a poster at the merch table and she was sitting there and I wasn't going to say anything. I was kind of debating if I was going to um, say hey or whatever. And as I was making my decision, people had come up to her and just talked casually. I don't know if they were Paramore fans or if they were just fans of her, just knew her, what the deal was. But they seemed to be having a pretty uh, regular conversation and I stood there for like a minute or two. I was gonna, um, I was gonna still say, "Hey, I've forgotten about my poster at this point." And uh, she, she had waved to me, finished talking to them, and kind of talked to her for uh, a little bit. We had some small talk, and basically 
talking about how life's been different since I broke down and vented to her about the end of my really long relationship. And um, I really at that time at three o'clock in the morning that night that that happened, I really just needed somebody um, non-judgmental and somebody that was a third party and didn't really know me and didn't uh, know that person at all. After I'd spent the whole day talking to people that um, knew both of us very well, talking to my family and just um, all around everybody telling me that I was an idiot. Not not really in those words, but kind of uh, I knew I was an idiot for a lot of reasons. And I just needed somebody to talk to and I needed somebody to vent to. So um, we just kind of talked about that for a minute, talked about how I was in a better place and she was really happy for me. And that was that was really cool to see a full circle moment, you know. The last time I had spoken to her, I was in a downward fucking spiral. And then um, the now the last time that I had talked to her, um, everything was looking up and things were a lot better. But um, for whatever reason, I decided to confide in her. And um, the thing that I had led with, I won't read the exact thing that I said, but um, now mind you, this was like two, three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, Hey, I don't know why I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm sending you this at, you know, the wee hours of the morning, but I just wanted to say that, you know, my long-term relationship ended and I don't know what to do and I don't know how to feel and a lot of emotions right now. And I just want to say that, um, you know, you looking so happy and doing your own thing, um, after what you've been through just gives me hope that, um, you don't need somebody to be somebody. And uh, that was more or less uh, paraphrasing what I said. What I said was very long and, you know, not really that coherent because it was the wee hours of the fucking morning and I had spent all day crying. But um, basically at the time, I just felt like my whole worth was being somebody's girlfriend. You know, I was somebody's girlfriend for almost a decade of my life. And um, I just felt like that was my only purpose in life. And to me, seeing her um, not be somebody's girlfriend and be able to live and thrive and have friendships and look really happy and seem like she's in a good place just really made me um, have hope that there was more for me than being somebody's girlfriend. And um, it was a really good conversation. It really helped me um, get to a really good point. I mean, that that conversation didn't heal me immediately. And I was like, oh my God, life solved. Um, somebody that barely knows anything about me solved all of my problems. But um definitely um helped me um ease into being okay so um the reason why I bring this up is because um that was in uh what was that that was in October of 2018 and then um now going back to August of 2019 I had seen her and I said something to her that I hope that she took to heart um if she didn't you know I won't be mad but I said, it's really good to see you as Haley and not Haley from Paramore. You really look happy and I'm really excited for you that you're getting a break from being a commodity and it's just really good to see you like this. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've said this to a couple of people. I don't know if I've said this on this podcast, but for a long time, I've just felt like people treat her especially as somebody in a band you know, it's Haley Williams of Paramore and um, who Haley Williams of Paramore is, at least on stage, is somebody really confident, somebody who exudes stage presence, somebody that looks like they are unstoppable and somebody that is so empowered and 
feeds off of people uh, thinking that she's this powerful, unstoppable human being. But to me, I just feel like Haley, the person, is those things. But I feel like outside of that, she is just, you know, somebody who wants to live, somebody that doesn't really want to, you know, cause a ruckus, somebody that just wants to be really mellow and um, not really do much outside of that. And um, it's hard to describe, but when I saw her, it was just, you know, like seeing anybody else that I knew. I was just like, hey, you know, looks like you, you know, things are going well and really happy for you, you know. And I'm spending a lot of time talking about this. I don't know why. But it was just one of those things that I've talked about for a while. Um, she had said that she was writing. She didn't really say anything else. She just said, yeah, I've been I've been writing. Didn't really think much of it. I was like, oh, that's really rad. You know, I thought that she was just doing it for herself. Um, at the time, she was uh, still on an Instagram and Twitter break. And I talked to her about that. I was like, yeah, took a break from the internet for a while because things were really rough. And um just really cool that you know we're both getting a break from seeing a lot of shit and um at the time before she had left instagram she had posted um three photos basically saying um you know the things that you see and the lonely things that you don't so she showed the hard times um still of her as the things that we see and then the lonely and lovely things that we don't are just her alone with her dog and her guitar and to me when i saw her in person it was it was really strange, especially for the time. You know, it wouldn't have been strange any other time, but it was just really surreal that um, Pedals for Armor is a thing now after I had had that conversation with her. But anyway, spent a lot of time talking about that for no reason. <laughs> but um, I've spent a lot of time talking to people in my personal life about that. So I felt like it was only necessary to bother you guys with that. But the real reason why we're all here is because I have a lot to say about the movie references and the one TV reference that Haley has made on her Instagram. So, um, spoiler alert, this is where I'm going to start talking about Midsummer. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but um, this is going to go a little bit into um, the whole movie and kind of a synopsis. So if you don't want to know what happens in the movie, um, skip this part. So... In Midsummer, the movie starts off really heavy, like really fucking heavy. Like, damn, I was watching it for the first 10 minutes and I was like, I don't know if I could fucking watch this. I thought that I would have to leave. Luckily, I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't because it was a great movie. But basically the lead character who's, play, uh, who's played by uh, Florence Pugh, who is fucking awesome. Congrats on her Oscar noms. Um, she plays Danny and Danny is dealing with the death of her parents and her shitty boyfriend of, I think it was four years. I'm going to say four years. It may have been three, but we'll go with four just for the hell of it. And she's dealing with a lot of anxiety. She suffers from massive PTSD and anxiety for maybe the first half hour of the movie. And her boyfriend is seen telling his friends about her constant need for comfort and validation and how it's annoying and how her anxiety is pushing him away. And basically, I don't know if he said this, but I think he was talking about how her depression, her depression like bumps him out or something. I don't know if I'm making that up, but honestly, I wouldn't put it past his fucking character to say that. So we're going to go with that. But um, he tells his friends that he's going to break up with her and his friends keep basically saying that she's a drag and that he should break up with her and like 
I think something about the sex not um, existing anymore. Or maybe I'm just making that up, but I just feel like his friends were the kind of people that would say that anyway. But his friends are basically like, oh, you know, time to finally break up with her. You've been talking about it for a year now. Like, just let her go. And her boyfriend shows a little bit of compassion where he's like, yeah, but she's just going through a lot right now. I feel like I can't do it. And then he instantly changes back into being a piece of shit. I mean, who's surprised? But basically, she kind of knows that he's a piece of shit, but she just kind of just ignores it. And despite all the red flags, she believes that even though that he is making her upset that he is deep down a good person. Um, that was really stupid, Danny. He was not a good person. But the entire time that they um, are traveling to Sweden, because in the movie, um, he and his friends were talking about going to Sweden for a music festival. She was not invited by him. She finds out that he um, was actually going to go because he was entertaining the thought of going. But then uh, his friend kind of says, oh, yeah, I can't wait for us to go. It's a midsummer. And she's like, oh, you're going? And then one of his friends uh, that isn't a piece of shit invited her and she kind of felt really anxious. Like, listen, if you don't want me to go, I won't go. But like, it'd be great if we could go together, but I, it's cool if not. But like, how do you feel about it? Kind of one of those things. And she was just really freaking out. She didn't want to lose her boyfriend. She didn't want to intrude on their on the trip, but also she did want to go. She wanted to get away and forget about all of her grief and the fact that her fucking parents are murdered. Um, that was that was a trip. But um, nonetheless, they travel to Sweden the entire time. She's super scared. She's anxious and she's upset. And he doesn't really seem to care all that much. Big surprise. And she still hasn't really processed anything that's happened. She still hasn't really grieved much of her parents being gone. And, you know, despite all that, she still doesn't leave this man because she is super broken. She doesn't have anybody. Um, she doesn't really have any friends. She doesn't really have any family left. And she just hangs on to this man that she's known for four years because she believes that he will be her comforter. And he's just not. He is the fucking worst. But anyway, nonetheless, <laughs> and in the end of the movie, she is ultimately crowned the Mayflower Queen. Uh, the May Queen, not the Mayflower. Mayflower is a totally different thing. But she is crowned the May Queen. And at this point, all of her boyfriend's friends have been tortured and killed. And uh, there was a point in the movie where throughout the whole time that they're in Sweden, there's this girl that's been eyeing the boyfriend. And he's been trying to like kind of reject her advances, but she's been giving him the eye. Like basically you knew that something was going to go, you know, was going to happen with them. So basically the whole thing is the whole movie is basically about um, their their traditions and their rituals and everything in this Swedish little cult. And the girl is lures the boyfriend into this cabin. She's naked. All these women are naked. And basically the whole goal is to impregnate her. I believe she was a virgin and impregnate her to pass on, you know, the 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 kin you know, whatever it is. But, um, so there's the scene where he is, you know, they're, they're having sex and Danny is looking for him and the door is obviously closed, but there's like a little peephole. There's a little crack and she watches her boyfriend, uh, fuck this other woman. Cause she obviously doesn't know what's going on, but she just sees, you know, her boyfriend cheating on her. So there's this primal scream and she's upset and she's hysterical 
and she goes back to where they were sleeping and all the women they do this sympathy bond thing and they're all screaming and crying and they're imitating her and if you've seen the movie you probably felt super uncomfortable but you're like this is great um if you wanted to see this scene on youtube i think it's on there it's like the danny scream scene but it was one of those scenes that really fucking stays with you and um at the end obviously she stops crying and all that and she's just done with the boyfriend after that and um ultimately um she's crowned the queen and she um gets to decide that he burn gets tortured and burns alive in the cabin and (laughs) pretty awesome (laughs) and um in the end uh after he's burning alive in this cabin she's seen smiling for the first time in the whole movie um I mean but although she's smiling she's severely broken and empty inside but in a weird way she's at peace and Haley posted um that little part in the script on her Instagram story I don't remember what it exactly said but it was basically um some form of what I just read um that she although she was broken and all of this shit had happened she was finally in a weird way in peace um she was captioning um while she was posting a lot of midsummer stuff she posted on her instagram page for petals for armor she wrote the line between wrath and mercy and in that moment of being may queen um danny did get to choose between letting her boyfriend die or seek mercy on him and let him live for whatever reason and um ultimately obviously she decided to have him killed which at that point i probably would have agreed with her um but something that really kind of grabbed me was in the paramore song rose-colored boy there's a line in the song where Haley says you got me nervous and you're turning it into a joke and ever since these clues have been dropping i've thought maybe that means her anxiety and how she felt wasn't really validated by you know maybe an ex or anybody in her life that she was experiencing anxiety with and they just weren't listening or really caring and much like Danny in the beginning of Midsummer, you know I never really thought much about this line uh prior to this um just just so you guys know I know After Laughter has been out since 2017 but a lot of other songs you guys probably know which songs I'm talking about or song in particular um they had my attention so I've only recently been putting these connections um together and it's been really fun I mean, her recent posts have definitely been thought-provoking, at least for me. I'm sure a lot of people are questioning what it all means, and um, I've definitely been questioning what it all means, and that's why I'm making an episode like this. But I relate so hard to that line. I never really thought much about it until this point, but nothing is more frustrating and saddening than dealing with a panic attack or feeling anxious either by your long-term partner or just basically in general and expressing it and just having somebody laugh at you or say that you're crazy or you're making it up or they just joke about it or laugh it off and it's just let me tell you it just sends you in a spiral it's really fucking terrifying and later affects you in how you talk about and handle things and I know it's been for me I don't know how it's been for her but it definitely fucks you up it definitely um, sets a precedent in your mind for how you want to talk about your anxiety and your panic attacks in future relationships, whether it be romantic or with your friends. And it's been something that I know that I've had to try and navigate. And I hope that, you know, through therapy and talking and being open, I think 
and hope that she's felt some sort of um, healing in how she talks about it, despite being laughed at and being made into a joke for having anxiety. I mean, that's how I'm taking the line. Nothing that I'm saying um, is concrete or how anybody feels. It's just this episode is um, my opinions. Haley hasn't really said much about her relationship or even her divorce, and what she has shared with us has been super brief, other than what she did say in her interview in March, um, something that really actually stuck with me um, when she was talking about it. I do really want to read what she had said. She said, my own, in reference to her divorce, it was sort of the beginning of me having to reckon with my parents' divorce too, and I didn't know that until recently. My divorce felt like a train crash that I knew the whole time was coming, even from the moment we started dating. I tried my best to pad pad it, wear all the right gear, and protect myself, and maybe even potentially, at the last second, derail the situation to where things might have worked out in a way I couldn't foresee. When it really hit, it felt I felt like such a failure. I felt embarrassed because I knew that I, I shouldn't have gone through with the marriage. And we had already dealt with a lot of the heaviest parts of being a couple and why things were bad. I just hurt. I had no trust left whatsoever. I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I did it anyway. That's why I felt like I had to stay. The reason I ended up deciding to leave is I had started to have a lot of suicidal thoughts. I was thinking about death all the time. I was thinking, what is the point of anything ever? What is this supposed to be the best time of my life? This is terrible. I cared about my husband like a brother. That's the best way that I know to describe it. I knew that wasn't right. Doing it and actually separating and getting a divorce, I'll never forget the moment that I walked into my house with a box that said fragile on it with like a plant in it. And then she laughs. And maybe three other things. I mean, I left everything. I was ashamed of myself and I was also mad, but the anger I had already melted into depression because I didn't let it all come out. I still remember that moment looking at the door and looking at my box of things and thinking, this is what I deserve. I deserve an empty, cold house that is infested with bats. To me, I understood that a lot, personally. I mean, my 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 last relationship was pretty much doomed from day one, and I was really young and believed it was going to be all just fine. Um, red flags were there since day fucking one, but me being, you know, almost 18, I just it didn't fucking matter to me, and... Um, to be honest, the last five years just turned really cold and bitter and um, a lot of things that I didn't realize at the time. Um, it was my first real serious relationship and somebody that I had trusted and somebody that I thought was going to be the end all be all. And there came a point where I'm pretty sure around the last five years um, that we both just didn't know what to do, but we knew we should have broken up way before we actually did. And both of us were just really comfortable, but I don't know how we were comfortable because nothing really felt right and everything just fell apart. I, not that we ever had anything together, but it fell apart, whatever we did have, very quickly. And all I remember is just how fragile I felt when it was all over. If you guys have followed me on Twitter, if you followed me on Instagram, um, I posted a lot of poetry going through all of those things. And I just talked about how fragile I felt and how empty and all of these things because I never really dealt with any of it. And it all just hit me at once. And that's where all my book ideas came from. And um, 
I just remember I just remember um, this one vivid memory and I used to say this to myself all the time but at the time of um, when a lot of things came out I just remember sitting on the curb crying and I said um, so, something to this extent I said I knew I didn't deserve to have anything normal uh, I didn't deserve to be married or have anything that anybody else ever had and um, it was really sad I used to think that for a long time the last like three to five years of that relationship, I just kept thinking that I didn't deserve anything good. I didn't deserve to ever be married or do anything normal that people do. And I know that everybody has their different idea of what normal is, but by society standards, you know, you date somebody, you get engaged, you get married, you buy a house, you do all these things. And to me, I just never had any of that. And I just always felt in some way defective. And for a long period of time, even to this day, um, it's hard to get over and it's hard to really um, realize that a lot of those things are not related to you or things that you can't control. And it's just, it's hard because um, a little after that relationship ended, I mean, this was almost a decade of my life and that person ended up getting married six months later after, you know, swearing up and down. He didn't want to ever get married. He didn't want anything traditional. He didn't want to do anything that society uh, wanted and um, after all that time together and he got married six months later it was just it was tough on me emotionally because I just felt like damn maybe there is something wrong with me but um, every day I have to fight that feeling and realize that there is nothing wrong with me it's just the way that shit rolls man <laughs> and um, yeah that's why more or less, I felt really connected to that interview that Haley had done. And it's just, it felt super personal to me. And um, I'm just glad that we both ended up in a place where we don't feel tethered to somebody that we know that we shouldn't have been with. And um, just kind of making our way to getting better and being a new version of ourselves that, you know, doesn't have to deal with any of that anymore. But anyway... Getting back to the heart of what we were talking about before I kind of went on a tear of a uh, personal crisis. At the end of the day, a lot of uh, things point to Midsummer having a lot of similarities, at least for me. And as somebody who was with another person for almost a decade since I was 17 years old, I feel really empathetic towards everything I heard or read about her relationship and divorce. Midsummer seems to be the perfect metaphor for her finally getting out and letting out any emotion without feeling anxious because she just knows that she will end up winning by being her true self. And um, I think that that's one of the things that I've noticed the most in her interviews and her opening up more and more. Like I said in the beginning, I feel like she chose the people that she wanted to talk to because she felt that she could trust them and not use what she was saying in a negative way or take it out of context. Or I felt that she chose people that she could trust, whether she knew them prior to that interview or not, whether she um, chose them based on, you know, history of their past interviews or whatever she chose them based on. They all had a connection where they all seemed like they really cared about her as a person and not her as um, the front woman of a band. And that's why I really liked all the interviews that she did, because at the end of the day, I like the music that um, she makes and that her band makes. But ultimately, um, as a person, I do think that everything that she has to say has a really deep and important meeting. And I feel like a lot of people don't treat other artists like they're people. Um, 
don't get me wrong. There are articles and interviews out there that absolutely, um, that I adore and I love. And I think that there are so many journalists out there that are good people and that do a good job, but there are other interviewers that in journalists that just sit down and go, you know, so let's talk about, um, something that we've been talking about for five years and that you've answered multiple times. And let's talk about why you're famous and why you're a celebrity and the same three things over and over again. Whereas all these interviews were so, Hey, like I noticed that you're reading this book. Um, what do you think about it? Um, how does it, um, evoke a certain feeling inside of you. You know, I, I like that kind of shit whenever I, um, read anything by, um, somebody that I admire. So, and I don't know what it was like for, for Haley. I don't know how close she is to people in her life. I don't know if she ever expressed anything that was wrong in her relationship, but I personally never talked about mine or anything that really made me anxious or just didn't sit right. It wasn't until we broke up because, um, part of me always knew that a lot of things were wrong. And like I had already mentioned, I didn't really want any of my friends or family to judge. So I kind of just kept it all in and kept it to myself and just gritted my teeth and bared with it. And, um, yeah, it wasn't really until that breakup that I started to talk. And my mom was actually the first person that I tried to open up anything with. Um, I had a couple of friends come over and kind of spewed my guts, but it was really my mom that um, was there for me. And she really was the person that wanted to make sure that she could do anything in her power to help. Um, one memory that sticks out to me in my mind that I'll always remember and I'll never, never forget. Um, she put up the Christmas tree in October. I think it was before way before Halloween. We usually put up the Christmas tree after Halloween, but this was a special occasion because um, Christmas is my absolute favorite holiday. I always joke and not really that that much of a joke, but um, that it's one of the only things that I've ever really cared about and the only thing that I've ever really loved um, very dearly. And it was kind of ripped away from me for a while and I wasn't allowed to appreciate it or really enjoy it. And um, this would be the first time in a really long time that I was able to enjoy it. And my mom wanted me to smile and she wanted me to feel better. So she put up the Christmas tree. Uh, she bought me new sheets and helped me fix up my room. She redid the entire thing and um, she repainted it while I moved, when I moved to Tennessee. Um, I moved to Tennessee a couple months after all of that happened and um, just really, um, really needed a space that I could come home to. And that was 100% mine because at the time it just, I had mentioned on this podcast before in an episode that I don't think I have any more on here, but I just felt really haunted in that room. And it just felt like a ghost was just always looming over me. And then it was just something I had to get away from. And that was more or less why I moved. Uh, I just couldn't sit in that room anymore and just heal in an environment that made me sick. And I just, I, I needed to go. So um, I moved out and my mom and, uh, she recruited my dad, painted all the walls, got brand new furniture, put everything up and bought new sheets and really <laughs> went balls to the wall. And, uh, I'll never be able to thank her enough for that. But anyway, um, that was what my mom did for me. And, um, me going through all of that, knowing the nature of Haley and her mom's relationship and how close they are, I wouldn't doubt her mom would do whatever it took to help her daughter heal, especially from something as big as a marriage. I mean, I wasn't married, um, kind of fucking felt like that, but, um, Haley was married and she was going through all the things that I was going through, or at least, you know, the things that I know that she was going through, you know, the pattern was very similar with my own relationship. And, um, 
I know how my mom reacted. So I could only imagine that Haley's mom would react very similar. And I believe that um, it's really it's really hard as a parent to watch uh, your child go through all these nasty things like um, alleged cheating and, you know, just hearsay and the things that people have to say about your own daughter. And it's just really heartbreaking. And I mean, I'm I'm nobody. Um, I'm just a regular person. I'm not in a band. I, you know, I don't have millions of followers. It's only, I can only imagine what it's like to be in the forefront of the public eye and having to deal with all of this bullshit. And then, you know, Haley's mom is also online. She does her own businesses and does her own thing. And I'm sure she saw, you know, stuff that she didn't want to see. And it's just fucking heartbreaking in general. So Honestly, I believe all of her references and her caption was a call to how hurt her mom was for her when she watched Haley go through everything because it's true. Nothing hurts like a mother and <laughs> how they will do anything necessary to protect their kids no matter what. And all of those movies, I saw almost all of them and um, even Peppermint. Peppermint was good movie. It was a roller coaster, let me tell you. But um, Peppermint was definitely one of those movies that definitely shows that a mother will go through whatever it takes to avenge their daughter or you know help their daughter heal or what have you and interesting enough the day after Haley made those posts her mom made a post on her own Instagram about Peter Pan being her hero now maybe I'm just Charlie daying this at this point with Pepe Selvia but maybe it ties into never wanting to grow up and in relation to this pedals for armor um, all of the pedals for armor things, not wanting to see Haley grow up because growing up is painful and she doesn't want to see Haley in pain anymore. Um, like I said, I could be, you know, Pepe Sylvia, uh, far gone at this point, but it's just, to me, a lot of clues have just been tethering and, uh, tying together that I'm a losing my mind and B feeling like I'm on CSI trying to crack some code that everyone's already cracked, but me, but anyway, now it's Friday <laughs> and Haley has posted the pedals on the pedals for armor account. If I had seen my reflection as something more precious and I've been trying to wrap my fucking brain around this uh, association for an entire day and I'm just going to go with what I came up with. So come along for the journey. Haley wrote a beautiful essay for Paper Magazine where she described how she felt coming down and coming off the highs as being engaged and looking as if life was going to end up perfect and happily ever after. Nothing she said really relates to the caption on her Instagram post, but it does make me think of midsummer and also the feeling of what it's like to be scared into hiding your anxiety, depression, sadness, or any emotion that isn't complacent. She said, we wrote and wrote, and I never liked what I put to the music that Taylor sent me. His stuff sounded inspired. My part sounded to me like someone dead in the eyes. I didn't know the person behind those words, probably because I never before allowed her to come out and say how she really felt. Prior to everything that After Laughter was rooted in, I've always said I've never felt connected to Paramore, and this is the reason. Haley never really wrote about helplessness, how hopelessness felt, and she was always just the optimist. She even said it herself during the Zane Lau interview. She was always the one holding it together, and now for the first time she said maybe there's nothing to smile about after all, which obviously is dark as fuck and not true, but if you've ever been at the mercy of a mental illness, you understand that feeling feeling a thousand percent or at least I hope you do because then in that case I'm really alone in that 
I also want to mention these lines in No Friend because I feel, despite not being super relevant, I had some thoughts. Um, that shouldn't be surprising. But anyway, the lines, as protection from the paper-thin perfection you project on me and drown my dull reflection in the naive expectation in your eyes, you see a floodlit form, I see a shirt design, and then obviously I'm no savior of yours, but and you're no friend of mine also, um, in addition to that. And then I see myself in the reflection of people's eyes, realizing what they see may not be even close to the image that I see in myself. And I hate I might actually be more afraid to let my own self down. These lyrics I've spoken about before, and again, I don't think they directly relate to her caption, but it does show that her image of herself she sees in the mirror is kind of skewed. She didn't love herself the way that she wished she did. She wanted to die. She most likely couldn't bear the thought of looking at who she had become since she has always been on the pedestal and was always some sort of god or savior to a lot of people. And now, at the time, she's almost 30 and has gone through way more than she anticipated, and she doesn't know who she is anymore. And maybe she wishes she appreciated who she was in the mirror before her mental health took an absolute nosedive. And she became unable to recognize herself or even want to see the new version of herself and who she's become. She stopped seeing herself as the unstoppable force who can get through everything and started to see a woman who has been through a lot and is taking off the cape and seeing herself for the first time since she was 14 years old. She said when After Laughter came out in the same interview with Zane Lau that she was no longer going to mourn that person anymore. The orange-haired superhero I'm referring to. But I think part of her at some point wanted that confidence back because you don't truly know what you have until it's gone. And that's how I kind of feel about that line. Like I said, this whole episode is me trying to um, put string everywhere and attach everything. And I obviously had a lot of feelings. But so take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. Unless you really like it, then thank you. I appreciate that. But in addition to um, this Haley seeing herself, her friend and photographer, Lindsay Burns, interviewed her for Nylon ahead of her sanctuary of self-love at the first year um, at their first year at Bonnaroo. And it is coming back this year in June. So if you're going to Bonnaroo, make sure you check it out. Uh, I myself am trying to um, sneak in. And by sneak in, I mean just ask everybody that I know that's working it if I could just um, take a little peek at the tent. We'll see how that works. But anyway, uh, Haley said in this, in, uh, this interview with Lindsay, I felt is super relevant. She said, in every corner of being alive right now, you find this conversation around mental health and what we're doing to better ourselves or what we're not doing. For me, for the last two years, I was in a huge denial about my depression. I knew I was sad. I knew that I had been through some shit, but I was like, I'm handling it. I'm handling it. And honestly, right now, right around the time that Bonnaroo came to me about this, I was not doing well. The first meeting we were having, I didn't know until recently that I do this. I was picking the skin around my fingernails incessantly until they bled. And I kept them because I'm a hoarder, I guess. Now she was talking about the papers. Uh, I just wanted to mention that. Um, <laughs> still calling back to the idea that she was not allowed to do so or speak about anything involving her depression, her anxiety. I know that she was really scared to talk about... Um, what she was experiencing being depression because she didn't want it to be a clickbait title. She didn't want people to use that as clickbait again, <laughs> but um, she really didn't want to say anything that wasn't positive or anything that wasn't being the energetic front woman that the public came to know and respect. But she then mentioned how she keeps uh, special and important things that she does. And she said on these Bonnaroo papers, um, 
which she mentioned in the previous line that she keeps the first renderings and these ideas there's just blood all over the page I was just going through it man I was still coming to terms with my depression I was coming to terms with the trauma and the stuff that I had not dealt with from before and suddenly my band's last record after laughter started to make a whole lot more sense that only made more that only made me more passionate about the job that they're asking me to do which is to help give people a space to find what works for them and their journey towards being a healthier human mentally emotionally spiritually for some people that's going to be a kinesthetic group activities where they can create art and make things and see that they've made something that's been a huge important thing for me to have to be able to see that i made something for other people that might be meditation very quiet and more internal things where they can sit with themselves or maybe guided meditation where it's still really quiet. It's still really internal. I need a little bit of both and I kind of need tough love too. Now, I think what she said in that last little bit really speaks to how much she wanted to make something that was hers and felt finally after denying herself of quote unquote going solo because of how people would react. And then she said, fuck it. It's my life. I don't owe anybody a reason. This is mine and I need to do this. So I really think that Pedals for Armor kind of stemmed from her not listening to that inner monologue she had with herself that people would think like, oh my God, Paramore is done. You know, Haley's just, it's going to be the Haley Williams show. We always knew this, you know, we knew that Paramore wasn't really a band, like all this other nonsense that media would uh, paint her as. I think she kind of just said, fuck it. I need to make music for me. I need to write this all out. I need to kind of let out my bottled emotions and fuck what everyone thinks. And that's the attitude that we love in this house. Now, lastly, this line where she said when Lindsay was talking about her orange hair back when Paramore first jumped onto the chart, she said, I think subconsciously I thought it was kind of cool, even though it had also annoyed me that people only focused on my hair. I was like, focus on the band, the music. It was very, I wanted it to be cool. I wanted it to be cool. And I want to mention that part because oftentimes we do things we might know is wrong or a red flag because we, mostly as women, uh, men most likely go through this as well, but I'll just speak to a majority of women at least, don't want to make a fuss. We don't want to be difficult. We don't want to be high maintenance. We don't want to be this. We don't want to be that. We aren't like your last ex you made us believe is crazy or a bitch. We're the cool girl. And it's frustrating to no end to feel like you are competing with a version of someone you don't know because the person you love made you believe that you had to do better. And you'll never find out that that person wasn't actually that bad of a person. They just gaslit you to believe that this bitch is crazy. When really, you probably find out later down the line that that bitch was not crazy. That bitch is cool. And you guys become friends and it's pretty rad. But anyway, uh, moving on, some people online have somehow decoded some of the HTML on the Pedals for Armor website video, and it says the words lust, rage, envy, grief, and I will say that all of these things directly relate to a lot of things I've already talked about, and um, I, I was going to go back in this episode, edit it, and put this in where it belonged, but fuck it, that's, that's too much work for me. So I'm just going to go with my original plan and mention it here. I forgot to mention um, the first teaser caption that Haley posted on the Pedals for Armor page, and she wrote, rage is a quiet thing. And to me, that represents bottling up emotions. Um, I know I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know how angry I was until the dust settled after my relationship ended, and I actually had time to process the things that weren't okay and all of the red flags and the glasses coming off. 
your projection bulb has burnt out on them and you're left with the reality of the person you allow to make you feel a way that nobody should feel. Rage is often quiet, especially after a while and you're just sitting there letting it simmer in the background when the other person does most of the talking and eventually, again, just gaslights you into believing bullshit until you just say, okay. Now, it's Monday. (laughs) I've been recording this for days now and uh, we are two days ahead of the release from uh, Pedals for Armor and Haley made a caption yesterday on the Pedals for Armor account And she said, wrap yourself in petals. And today she finally announced the single and it is called Simmer. In addition to that, fans have noticed two more words on the HTML, which I have no idea how anybody's figuring out, by the way. Um, MySpace did a lot for us in our generation. Um, Remember coding and doing HTML? I barely do. Um, Don't ask me to do it because I don't fucking remember. But hey, maybe MySpace wasn't so bad after all. Maybe we should bring it up. Bring that back. But anyway, the two words were mercilessness and femininity. And I think the femininity one has been woven throughout everything that I've been saying thus far, especially with all the interviews I keep referencing. And Haley's interview in March talked a lot about it, and she's mentioned it quite a few times in the last few years. Um, So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if any of this makes any sense. I don't know if that's the track listing and somehow it's being put into code I don't really know anything. I don't know more than you guys do. And um, I guess we're going to have to wait two more days to figure it out. So I'm going to end this episode. I was originally going to do one long episode where um, I was going to wait till Wednesday and I was going to listen to the song and react to it and tie it all in. But I kind of wanted to put this out and have people thinking and see what people thought um, about the things that I had said and then come back on Wednesday and make another episode about Things I may have been wrong about, things I may have been right about, see if Haley says anything, see if she explains the video, see if she explains the song, see if she explains anything, and then uh, take it from there. But um, this was a really fun episode to do. This was a really challenging episode to do. Um, This is the longest I've ever recorded. Um, And thank you guys if you've listened to the whole thing. Um, This was a really personal episode to do, and I really hope that you guys enjoyed it. I am going to play a song for you guys as per usual because that's still what we do around here. I want to play you guys a song by this artist. Her name is Sasha Sloan. She put out this record called Loser, I believe in 2018, and it's an EP, and it is such a good EP. She also has another EP called Sad Girl, and I found them both on vinyl, and I needed them immediately um i've been looking for them for a couple months now and i finally found a website that had them both i think it was newberry comics um if you don't know newberry comics they're super cool um store definitely check them out but yeah i picked up both of her records on vinyl and she is such a good artist she's very mellow she's just really out here doing the thing the song is called older it's definitely one of my favorites by her and um it's off Uh, loser but definitely check out sad girl as well ready yet is my favorite song off that ep but before i play it for you guys uh know that you can still find me on twitter because i am back because i guess i really fucking hate myself uh rebel hearts girl uh twitter is sam is socks and you can email me at rebelheartspodcast at gmail.com and i will see you guys on wednesday and i will also see you at the front here is sasha sloan i used to shut my 
door when my mother screamed in the kitchen. I turned the music up, get high and try not to listen to every little fight. Cause neither one was right. I swore I'd never be like them. But I was just a kid back then. The older I get, the more that I see. My parents aren't heroes, they're just like me. And loving is hard, it don't always work. You just try your best not to get hurt. I used to be mad, but now I know. Sometimes it's better to let someone go. It just hadn't hit me yet. The older I get, I used to wonder why, why they could never be happy. I used to close my eyes and pray for a whole nother family where everything was fine. One that felt like mine. I swore I'd never be like them. But I was just a kid back then. The older I get, the more that I see My parents aren't heroes, they're just like me And loving is hard, it don't always work You just try your best not to get hurt I used to be mad, but now I know Sometimes it's better to let someone go It just hadn't hit me yet The older I get